0: This is Y-Tune Shuffle.
1: Why tune Shuffle. It's the music that informs our lives.
0: The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. And
2: then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Like, I really don't like the song. It's annoying and it's grating and it's it's painful.
0: Here, but, two, three, four.
2: Two, three, four. Yeah. He would bust out the guitar whenever he had friends or whatever, in dinner parties, or for, to entertain us as kids. And he would do that song and play it so off-key that <laughs> I would roll on the floor. That was one of my original inspirations to do musical, musical comedy. comedy.
1: Welcome to Y-Tune
0: Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield. And Hollywood's secret weapon,
3: David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tune Shuffle.
2: I'm so proud of him, too. I'm so proud of you. I'm going to have another sweet and low. (laughs) Yes. Because I'm stuck in the 80s. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a good show, I can tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Maggie Mayfield here with my co-host, David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood's secret weapon.
0: Thank you. Amazing Maggie Mayfield.
1: Thank you. And with us today is uh, what sounds like a very good dear friend. Bird song.
2: Yes, I am okay. a very good dear friend.
1: <laughs> cynical, as you were saying.
2: Cynical. I am cynical, Sally. That's okay.
0: Hi, y Tune Shuffle. <laughs> uh, Where did you meet? How did this friendship start? New York City. Mm. That's that's the beginning. And heard week. of it? <laughs> <laughs> the big apple cantaloupe. It was it was the. Um, the late 90s?
2: No, mid-90s, yeah.
0: And you were part of a... I was part
2: of a sketch comedy group yeah, called it? Live on Tape.
0: Live on okay. Tape, yeah. Yep. And what was happening to you at that time in your career? Like, when I met you, I just came off a cross comedy with David Cross and... Oh, wow. The Comedy Lab with H. John Benjamin and Sam Cedar. I dropped names like Whoa. a mother sucker. I know. John yeah. Benjamin
2: and Sam Cedar are names I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. And yet, yeah, they're key mm-hmm. figures in yeah. that
0: period how did you get up to the point of where you were live on tape
2: I was doing sketch comedy and improv in the city after college because I wanted to be a musical theater chick I wanted to be yeah I wanted to be Eponine in Les Mis on Broadway (laughs) where'd you go to college NYU Oh, oh. to school the arts Mm -hmm. and did uh, you finish I did okay which is a miracle Mm -hmm. because I had no money um (laughs) and so yeah, I wanted to do musical theater, but I just I kept showing up to open calls. I think I got my eligibility somehow for Equity, mm-hmm. Actors' Equity Union, doing a, a show at a dinner theater. Really? Yes. My first professional theater role was as Strange Woman, that was many, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> foreshadowing. To the be rest sure. of your career? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I was like 18 and I had like... Pippi Longstocking braids that I put wire in so they would stick straight yes. out. Blacked out a tooth, had a rifle. and was like, eat off my property. That's when I was like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> but I remember, and I was like, oh, and I was getting equity eligible points on my card. And I was like... Mwah. I made it. <laughs> See you, NYU. I like wasn't going to come back for senior year because I was like, "Sweet, I'm set." But
1: you, so what made you just had to go back then?
2: People told me I was crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so I could get that really needed degree yes. in theater that means so much. Right. Um, who are
0: the people in your life that really encouraged you? Like specifically, who said who? Who did you listen to at that point?
2: I'm not sure. I think it was just other. I think it was mostly teachers. Oh, okay. Yeah. And probably family too. I don't really remember, but yeah, I decided to go back. And stick it out, and then yeah. So I was showing up to these like open calls, and I just felt like, who are these people? Like they don't no, nobody has a sense of humor. Everybody's wearing like shiny pantyhose and character shoes and hot rolled hair, and yeah. they're doing warm ups and things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yeah. I remember giving my my little, like, you have numbers that you would get. Yep. So I was like number 200-something. And my friend Michelle Azar, who has a very funny show, web series called How to Beat Your Sister-in-Law, um, and <laughs> everything. But I remember and Michelle Azar is a great singer. And she was there. It was for Fiddler on the Roof or something. And uh, good chick so that I am. I was like, Michelle, take my number. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going home. And I, it was, like, a key point. I was like, this is not what I should be doing. I should be doing, like, improv and sketch comedy. And Did
1: you have a sense of what that was, though, at that time? That improv existed? Sort
2: of, because I just idolized people like Gilda Radner and Lily mm. Tomlin and even Whoopi Goldberg. Like, I saw her HBO show and was just yeah. riveted, the thing that Mike Nichols directed. And I sort of knew in my gut, like, that's kind of what I really, that's what I do. They're
1: like, like really I can cooler. sing,
2: but... Yeah. Not like these girls, you know. Yeah. They just all sound the same to me. Yeah. I'm like, they don't sound like Madonna. (laughs) Up And so. (laughs) So, I yeah, I started studying improv and and sketch comedy and was gotten their company. And but it was reaching that point where we were doing like we were an ensemble of maybe eight. And we were doing shows for five people. Mm. <laughs> we had a lot of those conversations backstage, like, so do we do it or do we just call it? Yeah. And I was getting to the point where I was like, we call it. We don't do a show for five people. I was getting beaten down. And I left the group. And then... What was the name of the group? It was a great group, by the way. It was the sister school to Groundlings. Okay. Originally, it mm-hmm. was called Groundlings East. And then it became Gotham City Improv. Oh, okay. So it was yeah. Gotham City Improv in New York. And to this day, I'm really good friends with the people I met there. Like, yeah. it just felt like home when yeah. I showed up and, like, audited a class or something. And I just loved it. I couldn't wait to get to rehearsal. I couldn't wait to just hang out. I couldn't wait to drink beer afterwards. Yeah. I couldn't, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just loved it, you know, and it just felt like, oh, I've been doing this kind of all my life. I just didn't know what it was called. So, like, yeah, I kind of didn't know what to call it, but I was doing it all along. So that's kind of where I was. And... I left that group and was just like, you know what, man? Screw it. I'm tired of chasing agents. I'm tired of chasing—I'm tired of people telling me, like, I can't believe you're not on Broadway. I can't believe you don't have your own TV show. I can't—I was like, yeah, pretty crazy, right? Stop saying that. And then this group called Live on Tape sort of asked—they asked me, like, a couple of times to join their group. And I was like, no, I'm already in a group. And then finally I was just like, all right— Fine, like any. I feel like anything good in my life hasn't been the thing where I was like super excited about. Yeah, Yeah. it's always been the like okay, fine, you know. Like even like not busy. It's yeah. Even relationships, (laughs) it's like a guy who like I thought was a gay guy. Like somebody I thought was gay, and I'm like, all right, I don't care, whatever. (laughs) Just be nice to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So like anything else, it was just sort of joining the group, and they were they were motivated and you know what they lacked in certain things this guy mike stafford he was just a little like macher he was a he just was a go-getter yes and he would pack the place you know which we never had we had really good performers but it was almost like we were the democrats of comedy Uh (laughs) we were like we had great comedy and like good ideals but we just didn't know how to pack the place Uh and and there was this guy mike who was this sort of little Michael J Fox from Family Ties like he was almost seemed like this little republican but he would pack the place and just had a lot of enthusiasm he got assigned to William Morris
1: Wow and, uh,
2: yeah and That's then incredible. Yeah and that that agent was a commercial agent at the time there named Peter Principato
0: Peter Principato there's a name from mm-hmm. back in the day Yeah,
2: yeah. who was now like the Louis B. Mayer of the comedy world yeah. I mean he's the top comedy manager as far as I know mm-hmm. in the country Mhm so we got signed and we got this deal with NBC. We were just doing shows at the West Bank Cafe. Oh,
0: Louis Black's Theater. Yeah. Those were great days. Yeah. yeah.
2: And um, one thing led to another, and we got this deal with NBC. And what we didn't know at the time was this was when NBC and Lauren Michaels were in sort of a negotiation uh, war or something with that his the year contract. That he decided to leave? He, I think he was thinking of leaving. Yeah. And I guess this was around, I want to say like 96, 97, something like that. So we went into Studio 8H where they shoot SNL, these, you know, kids that nobody knew. And we had Jim Biederman producing who was kids in the hall. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. And we wrote all our own sketches and we picked all our own costumes and we chose our directors. and, And we just had free reign and we shot five hours worth of sketch comedy.
1: Did it ever feel like work or did it all feel really fun?
2: It all felt really fun, but it also felt like really hard work. Mm -hmm. Because I was, it was that scary thing of like, oh, now we have to be good. There's like pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, really? You think you're all that? (laughs) Okay. Okay. There's a lot writing on this. Go prove like it. Like your paycheck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like all of a sudden we had, I had a computer. I had a laptop, Ooh. you know, which was so space age at the time. And, and we, heavy. <laughs> yeah. And we had these, we had these um, offices they put us in. I think it was like 1500 Broadway or 1600 Broadway, something like that. And it was like one of these, we, we had the entire floor of this big office building. The- and it was like one of those offices where it looked like some sort of nuclear thing happened in like 1983, and, like, everybody just got out of the building. Like, there were literally... There was, like, dot matrix printers that were, like, yeah. mid-print. And, like, photos of people's families. Like, it was very weird. And they had a cafeteria in there. And we would just sit in there and smoke.
1: Yeah. Don't it, eat any of that.
2: It was very weird. Like, with steam tables and stuff. Like, uh-huh. And we, me and Jim Biederman and Alec Holland, we were just sitting there and smoke and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Uh-huh.
1: Probably some of the best ideas came out of that cafeteria.
2: Yeah, maybe. But, like, it was just it was it just felt like thank you, finally, you know what I mean i'm yeah. I'm getting paid back for all the struggling and the waitressing and the yeah all of that, so and finally
1: it felt like it clicked like life made sense,
2: yeah, yeah, That's it felt great. like okay, it's happening, yeah, I just had to keep the faith, yeah, so and it was a great experience, and even though we wound up sort of getting the shaft, we were like kids of divorce, basically, mm-hmm. and so once Lauren I guess decided to play nice, they didn't need us as sort of their leverage, mm-hmm. um, to say like, Oh, you don't play ball. We've got this brand new five hours worth of sketch comedy ready to go that we've already shot. Right. And I still have the tapes. By
1: the way. Do you really, did any of that make it to air? No. Ah, oh, it'd no. be so great to see some of that.
2: Oh, and some of it like still to this day, if I've, this was a few years ago, but I, I was doing an episode of Conan for something. And I remember being in that building again And there were like there were crew guys who were coming up to me, going like Logan Marshall, (laughs) (laughs) you know, hey Uncle Vito, like they were like shouting out punchlines to our sketches to me because they still remembered them. Oh wow! And that was just that was a real you always know. I mean Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like when you can make the crew laugh.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's you know that's
2: Um, that's that is gold. That's when you know you're doing something right. So.
1: So how does that translate into you and Dave meeting? So it was in New York.
2: Oh, right. And That's had, how it started. Yes. So I was doing um, sketch comedy, and this was right when sort of what they were calling alternative comedy was was coming around because I think it was on the tail end of the stand-up yeah. boom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there were these rooms where people were doing comedy, but it wasn't traditional stand-up. Sometimes it was characters like Amy Poehler mm-hmm. was doing that kind of thing with UCB. Um, and Dave was doing his stuff and Janine Garofalo would show up with a, you know, yellow legal pad and, mm-hmm. I've um, heard about that yeah. yeah. And, uh, I <laughs> always wanted Huss. to be the yellow legal pad gal, but <sighs> I just was like, Oh, I always prepare a lot. And I'm so <laughs> stupid. And,
0: <laughs> I know. I <laughs> know.
2: I care too much. Uh-huh. I take
0: showers. And,
2: <laughs> and so we just kind of got to know each other through that. Yeah.
0: I'm thinking, uh, it's coming back to me now. I believe that we did a uh, back to back live on TV. Tape did something at uh, West Bank, and then Cross Comedy did something at West Bank. And that's where we began to sort of cross paths. That sounds right. We were in a herd of people. And yeah. If we run down the names, it's like Mark Marin was there. Toby Huss was there. Mm-hmm. H. John Benjamin, Janine. Yeah.
2: Remember uh, Ross Broccoli?
0: Ross Broccoli. It's you a know? hard
2: name to forget. Yeah. yeah. I kind of wish Is we got married.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can you
2: imagine Mary Broccoli Birdsong? That's oh, amazing. Oh, that would have been great. Mary Birdsong Broccoli? You would have to hyphenate that. If you're listening and you have an interesting last name that's also an identifiable thing, call me. Because <laughs> I just got dumped. And my last name is Birdsong. So, that, and I,
0: there's nobody to carry on my family name.
1: That's like the Mexican way to do it, is like you keep the mother's name.
0: That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Isn't it right? I mean, that that would be. Birdsong is a cooler name. It is than, much cooler. Think, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: You just need to find a cool, progressive dude. Yeah. yeah. There are plenty of I know. I need to marry Alan Alda. Yeah. <laughs> basically I need to marry.
2: <laughs> no, my my little sister uh, married a guy with the last name Valentine. Carrie Birdsong Valentine. Come oh on. Oh, my gosh. That's a
0: Hallmark card. Yeah. Those are refrigerator magnets. You yeah. You can just interchange yep. them around.
2: But, yeah, all that to say the it was part of this whole crowd. I remember, did you audition for Whose Line Is It Anyway,
0: Dave? I when never they came did. in, Yeah.
2: There was this one day where they had auditions and they were like big group auditions and I remember it was like a zombie movie but with comics mm-hmm. because it was like the entire comedy community, Slo- Sloven and Allen. Do you remember mm-hmm. Sloven and Allen? I do.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of, with Mary and I, we were we were in a crowd and to actually sit down and have lunch together or to talk at length on the phone about our personal problems, Mm -hmm. in many ways, Mary and I are getting acquainted in this very moment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because it's
2: always sort of passing in the night or like at best, maybe like sharing a picture or something. I know you, you
0: know me, we know all these same people and it's an easy, comfortable, it's like what you're going through now in in, in your career. It's like, you know, all these different people, but- the opportunities to develop a a sort of backstory or a tight friendship. Mary and I, we have that classic kind of like, I know who you know, you know who I know, and we've always stayed in touch. And And
1: you guys did that without Facebook, which is mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, there used to be these things that would happen periodically in L.A. back in the late '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, parties, they called them. What? and uh, Yeah, parties.
1: Can, what is
0: that? Well, basically, <laughs> uh, there's a plan that's made, a location that's confirmed. Uh, invitations are sent out, phone calls. Like on a yeah. piece of paper. Yeah, word of mouth. Oh, wow. And- so it's
2: not just me that d- that doesn't hear about those kinds of things anymore. Oh, they
0: don't exist. They don't oh. exist. They've long oh, okay. since. Yeah, the parties. Pa- yeah. Can you gathers, spell that? Me, yeah, it's uh P A R T I E S. Oh, I think (laughs) it's T E E Z, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and and auditions and shows and and just all of this stuff. And Sarah Silverman has a a term, familiar strangers, Mm. yes, yeah, familiar strangers, and um, and I and I, I will not lie I mean it, a, a lot of what I was looking for is like I'm finally going to really get to know Mary Bird's song because we know great? about our professional past and we know how to handle each other when we bump into each other yeah. Hey! Yay. hi hey. oh yeah good hey. you know and now now I'm, so I'm tickled to death you oh, know that great. this is this is how we're going to really get to know each other and
1: how cool that we get to do it through your music yeah, uh, yeah. I would love to dig into song number yes. one yes
0: go for it
3: He really hurt me crying in the taxi he don't want to know me says he made the big mistake of dancing in my store says it was poison so i guess i'll go home into the arms of the girl that i love the only love i haven't screwed up she's so hard to please but she's a forest fire I do my best to meet her demands Play a romance, we slow dance In the living room, but all that a stranger would see Is one girl swaying alone, stroking her cheek They say, you're a little much for me You're a liability You're a little much for me
1: You're a liability so back,
3: make other plans I understand. I'm alive.
1: I know this voice. Pop culture phenomenon Lord. Yeah. From New Zealand.
2: I didn't know she was from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And you know, I wouldn't know a Lord song if I saw one in a lineup, except for my older sister who has six kids, lives in Amish country, Pennsylvania. But because she has teenagers, like, she's so hip on the music that's out there. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas I'm in the entertainment industry, and I'm like, who's that? Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. Well,
1: because you're busy doing your own thing.
2: Yeah, and she turned me on to that song.
1: Do you remember where you were when you heard it for the first time?
2: I'm pretty sure I was in my apartment, Mm -hmm. and she was like— She texted me or something and said, do me a favor. You have to—you have to hear this song. And I was like, all right, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because I had just—I mean, I was— broken up with in July. Okay. Um, so really fresh wound. Yeah. And actually that was the second time by the same guy within a month. Oh. But this was just after the first time before we reconciled briefly. And I just, I mean, I want, I'm probably going to cry within this podcast just so you know. We all it's going it. to be hilarious. It. Yeah. And it just, it made me want to weep. I mean, that she elocuted, elocuted? Articulated. Thanks.
0: Both great words. Thanks,
2: NYU. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Money well spent.
0: Come on. Come a BFA on. makes you stupid.
2: Um, no. But, uh, yeah, just I'd never heard any, especially woman, articulate that notion of like, <laughs> I'm just a barrel of laughs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm fantastic. Uh-huh. Don't you want to fall in love with me? Mm. Oh, wait, where are you going? Oh, oh, right, because I had a bad mood one day Mm, or because I'm complicated or because I get sad sometimes or whatever. Like we all have our dark side and uh, you're a little much for me.
1: And this person that decided to break up with you twice, Mm. was it a man or a person that you felt like? you were pretty vulnerable to for the first time in a while, or I'm just yeah. projecting what I think might. No. Happen. Yeah. Okay. I mean,
2: and I was listening to your last episodes with Lana Turner, which I very much enjoyed. Please check it out. People who are listening, <laughs> but talking about that and you know, the risk you take in opening yourself up to somebody. And I met this man about a year ago, a little over a year ago, August 9th, we met and um, I was so cynical at mm-hmm. that moment, like, let's be clear, I showed up to the date, did not shave my legs, Why,
0: wearing, yeah. wearing jeans,
2: Okay, you know, arms crossed, maybe had mascara on. And actually, it was a guy from that whole scene that Dave and I come from, a guy named Richard Register, who put us in touch with each other. And and I, you know, no regrets, but I, my mother had died. My mother died about just a little over a year ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm there, you know, and I was so just... Not at that place with wanting to date, and I remember it was like one of those. I go through cycles with like OKCupid or whatever yeah. site I'm on, where I'll be into it, and then I'll be like, I'm done, I'm done, yeah, and I'll go to like totally delete, and I'm like, mm, I'll just pause it, mm-hmm.
3: and <laughs>
2: you know,
0: oh my god, you know, I totally, get yeah. It.
2: And so I was in a, a state where I was not signing on anymore. I had just two days earlier said, I'm I'm not going on that any dating site right now, and so apparently this guy had sent me this long. Message On this dating site two days after I had decided to forego any dating sites. Mm -hmm. So I never got his message. And diligent person that he was, he kind of figured out through my profile who I was, through some stuff I said, and realized that we had Richard register in common. So he asked Richard to introduce us via Facebook. And um, yeah, and I was really resistant because he was nice to me.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, I get that. You know, (laughs) he
2: he seemed to want a relationship. He had been married and was divorced for four years. He had a couple of kids. So like, clearly, this was a man who was able to commit at Mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. But I remember a very key moment where I think it was on our third date or something after our third date. Like I was so... I almost didn't want him to touch me. That's how guarded I was because I knew he was he was so dangerous because he seemed like he could actually love me. And that is more dangerous than anything. Right. Yeah. And and I tend to gravitate towards the men who are incredibly loving and I, you know, just idolize me, adore me, but have one step, you know, one foot out the door or something slightly disapproving or something slightly distant And this seemed like, no, I love all of it. Like, it's great as is. Wow. What a concept. Yeah. And, but I remember I was like pushing him away, pushing him away to the point where he sort of got quiet. And I was like, where did he go? Where did that nice man go? Yeah. And, and so I kind of did like, where are you? And got this sort of long letter saying, I kind of sense maybe you're not there with wanting a, you know, I'll be over here. Like it was a lovely, it was a confusing, it was like, you are my dream woman, you are everything I'm looking for in a relationship, but you seem like maybe you're not into having a relationship. I'll be over here. Yeah. It wasn't like, fuck you, you know, it wasn't mean, it wasn't anything, but I was like, oh my God.
1: Someone mature that like gets how people work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm pushing someone away who, you know, and I, I called a friend and said like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. And she told me something that was mind-blowing, which is you should send him a very brief text message saying, I'd like to talk to you on the phone in the morning. I loved getting your message. Yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. Okay. You know. <laughs> and, um, and I remember like being really honest and saying, "Like, look, here's the deal. I'm, I think I've been pushing you away because you are a good guy and I want to do this. I made the decision. I was like, I'm not going to do what I always do. Wow. I'm at least going to do something different. Even if it's not the right thing, it's going to be something different. How did it feel? It felt amazing and scary. And <laughs> and now I'm crying. <laughs> but it was it was a great experience to open myself to that. But that's what that song is to me is like now I'm at that point and I warned these guys before I did this podcast like <laughs> I'm so cynical right now. That I, I don't, like I recently posted a drawing on Facebook of a woman and it said, congratulations, you've ruined her. And that's what I feel like. I feel like I don't know anymore if it's worth, like if even that man, mm-hmm. like abandons, you know, with no warning, then what's safe? Nobody's safe. Because mm-hmm. they all look great. They all look loving. They all look fantastic in the beginning. As do I, you know what I mean? Like, nobody has warts. Nobody has foibles in the beginning. Mm-hmm. She has another song, too, I almost chose, which is about that. Um, I can't remember what the lyrics are right now. But so it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's heavy. It's, you know, and when you're younger, you still have a lot of, I don't know, a lot of time left or a lot of heart left or something. I feel like the real estate in my heart is dwindling, you know, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so it's that's where I am today. I mean hopefully that will change, but I just feel like not worth it. Not worth it.
0: I guess it was Christmas at the Fake Gallery. Paul year. I love the Fake Gallery. I, know. And, I and, and, love Paul. Paul's back in upstate New York. I was reunited with a person who remembered me from back in the day and had been divorced and I became smitten with and and developed over time what we now look back on she and i is yeah it was a relationship but there were so many caveats there were so many sort of like yeah but i'm my divorce isn't even final i've got you know this and that going on and and i i tried to play this game where i'm good with that i'm okay with that mm-hmm. you know and and i even engaged in side hustles and kept my options open and 4 years went by
3: wow you know
0: which revealed to her, some of my dark side, which has been consistent in why I'm single today. I, I, I think there's a part of me that likes being single, and there's also a part of me that's terrified about you know committing to a relationship. Right, right. All of the, the business of of interpersonal growth and awareness. And we came to a finalization June 3rd or 4th of this summer in which all Whoa. cards were put on the table. And I so relate to the sort of time frame and how much real estate is left in the heart. And the smoke is clearing. You have, I have, most of us, Maggie has I mean, in our core, we are we're strong, we're fine, we're okay. But it's it's I don't know that anybody in any kind of a relationship gets a free pass feels to me oftentimes that it's just me. There's something wrong with me. Right,
2: right, 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 right. But in in this month- You're a
0: liability. In this month, Mm -hmm. in this month, I have been so open and accessible to friends of mine in long-term, quote-unquote, successful marriages by sheer number, successful, Mm -hmm. and where where I'm finding some peace because everything you talked about in terms of how you're feeling, in spades. Mm. In spades, I'm feeling it. And it's still, you know, yeah. it's gotten much better. The appetite's back, you know. <laughs> the The cracking jokes at work is coming back, you know. The the trying to audition, it's coming back. But it, um, there's no getting away from it. If yeah. You, if you're gonna play around with relationships in this day and age, somehow, you know. And apparently, it goes on. My old man's like 75, and I got a sponsor in AA who's 85. Wow. And they're still, wow. you know, there's still some action. Happening. Good for them. Yeah. You know, and good for us. And, yeah. My you
2: know, mom and her boyfriend, I mean, they were constantly angry at each other, but mm-hmm. totally loved each other. Totally mm-hmm. still did it.
3: Yeah. 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 It's... You
2: know, and I used to say my mom was like so screwed up and, you know, she's poor thing. She's never had therapy and I'm so evolved and spiritual. <laughs> and it's, like, it's like, yeah, Mary, and you're single and she's not. Yeah. She's had managed to have a relationship for 40 years. Well, I
1: think that's the problem, though, is like, I don't think a relationship defines having a happy life.
0: No, certainly and not. And I think certainly we're fed not. That kind it ain't, of- Yeah, it's just, I, I, I believe, Maggie, yeah, it's like, it's going to be hard no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to, I, me anyway. I'm, you know, it's like.
1: I just don't think people can be honest with themselves and say, like, I don't want to be alone. I want company at night. Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber has this great song I love love him but he's like we don't have to do it I just want company that's it yes exactly I want
2: a best friend that I can occasionally sleep with yes and that's really the thing and the funny thing is when I was on the dating site you know I was trying you know you try and like do the the best and P.S. my profile Mm -hmm. if I can toot my own horn I could get it published it's so great (laughs) nice (laughs) it's a piece of beautiful art and uh, because it's pretty authentically me. And at one point I made the decision, I finally, realized, I used to be the unrequited love girl. I was like, oh, why did he, mm, if anybody would just stay, I would be in a relation. And it's like, I learned to know myself well enough to mm-hmm. know that that's very convenient. And I tend to pick people who maybe will go away because I maybe am uncomfortable with them staying. If I'm really, really honest. Yeah. Intimacy is scary. And, um, yeah, it is. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I got really honest about the fact that I love having time by myself.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I put a lot of energy out. I'm sure you guys relate to this yeah. when I'm with people. I work really hard to be a fun time. It's mm-hmm. some of it's a choice. A lot of it isn't. I just, it's, I go there and it's exhausting Yeah, and I need to replenish and have my time by myself. If you can read Amy Schumer's book, the girl with the lower back tattoo, I think, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It, there's chapter three. It's, Again, just like Lord, it's the most articulate I've ever heard anybody an introvert, especially a woman, talk about what that's like and unapologetically. It's amazing and wow. really empowering. It it was a big mind change for me. But all that to say, I got honest about the fact that you know what? I don't know when I meet my soulmate, I don't know that we will live together. I don't know that I need that or want that. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. That's I think
2: powerful. what I yeah, yeah, what I want is like a duplex. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean, I or like just hearing yeah.
0: that gives me hope because yeah. I I don't I don't know that I'm the best like morning yeah nope good morning nope <laughs> I need three hours yeah. don't talk to me and that's
2: what I'm trying to I feel like at the age of 49 I'm like getting to that place where I'm like okay whether that's good or bad that's who I am so I may as well sort of accept that. And until I can get more accepting of all of that weird or quirky or stuff that I label as not normal, mm. nobody else is going to. Right. But the funny thing is, when I had the courage to put that on my dating sites, all of a sudden I had like 3,000 messages. Oh my God. Men were weeping. They're like, I didn't know you existed. Oh. <laughs> like they just, they had that desire, but they didn't even know they were allowed to say that out loud. But I do feel like I want like adjoining apartments or maybe a house with a you know, mother-in-law suite in the back and that way I can kind of go and do my little merry time and, yeah. you know, and maybe there is a guy out there who that would work really well with. And I feel like our parents' generation kind of got that. I feel like it's our generation that got this weird idea that we're supposed to be like besties with our spouses and joined at the hip and like to do everything together, whereas... Like, I feel like my dad and my stepmom, like, he goes down to the basement and plays with his little model railroads, and she does her thing upstairs, (laughs) and they come together for meals, and they play cards on certain nights together, but then they have—he goes and does stuff with his guys, and she—you know, and they have separate—you know what I mean? They're more, in a way, even though they were more, I guess, into, like, marriage or being monogamous or whatever you want to call it, they were more independent.
1: Yeah, I think there is something to that where— look, we're a unit and we're building a life and we're supporting each other in life, but that doesn't mean that our lives are the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I celebrating would, the individual.
0: I like it. It's like I would love to have a long-term roommate more so than a long-term romance. Yeah. But I would like that roommate to, you know, enjoy my wang as well from yeah, time to Yeah, and time, sometimes you know?
2: I think that the the enmeshment of our current, like our small apartments and mm-hmm. our having yeah. to cohabitate for financial reasons and stuff it creates this weird sort of brother sister thing, like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like I don't know. Why I want to be, I want to keep some magic or some mystery, or you know, yeah. It's I guess it's a hard, it's a hard call. Yeah, um, but I just think it's worth examining. I guess is I'm learning to say like, no, I don't. That traditional model of relationships mm-hmm. doesn't work for me.
0: Me yeah. neither. Song
1: number two. I
0: told you, Mary's a great guest. Yeah.
3: Go to church.
0: When
2: you do improv, what do you say? Yes. Yes. David's inner black woman is coming out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, bring the choir.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so curious. I you I would say, yeah. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord.
3: Speak,
0: Lord. Mm.
3: speak to me. Yeah. Speak, oh, speak, Lord.
0: I
1: love it. I love it. What is this? What does it mean to you? Why does this on your K-5?
2: Oh, my God. That, especially that singer who just entered, Tata Vega is her name, T-A-T-A. I mean, the rust on that voice is just, to me, like, I have this reverse snobbery. Like, if you haven't been through the shit mill, I'm like, ugh, I'm not interested. <laughs>
1: You're not damaged goods, not into Baby. It.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um That it's a currency. And I feel like somebody like that is a millionaire. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't remember what year that movie came out, but I remember watching it on television. Maybe we rented it or something. The Color Purple. The Color Purple. I just remember being so fixed on the screen and just obsessed. And when I run, I'm a runner. Yeah. And something about when that song comes on, my headphones... I can run faster, longer. Uh, it's a spiritual experience. I will cry. it's just, just like energy and power in, in those vocals. I don't know why I've always, like I'm not a religious person, mm-hmm. but there's something about it that to me is like, if there is such a thing as something like that we call God, that to me is proof. Like singers like that mm-hmm. to me, or like Judy Garland or other people like that, like when they're doing what they do so well to me, like it looks like they're opening their mouth and they're not doing anything. Like there's some crazy like electric force that's moving through them and they're just, they can't help it. Like they're just a radio antenna or something. And that's to me like, Oh, there's something happening somewhere that's beyond our understanding. For that to come out of somebody's mouth like that. Right. And also, I think I tend to relate to the like the sinful, uh, excommunicated daughter, Uh um, the one that is, you know, the shame of her, you know, which it doesn't make sense. But my dad's very Catholic Mm -hmm. and he's a great guy. We um, I felt very estranged from him for several years because when I was little, my parents divorced when I was five, I think which coincidentally is like I learned later in therapy right around the time when girls learn to flirt by testing it out with their dad. (laughs) And they truly do. This is a thing. Uh And they learn like, Oh, my daddy is my, you know, my boyfriend, you know, but in like a sweet, normal, like Mm -hmm. totally healthy way. um, They learn how to relate to men and how to manipulate them and how to, Uh you know, please them and how to whatever. Um, and so I never got that skill. That's why to this day I'm like, you're an asshole. Wait, where are you going? Why do you not want to date me? Um, I was flirting uh, with him. Did yeah. he not get it? And I never know when a guy is flirting with me either. Right? I'm always the last to know. Um, <laughs> but I think on some level as a child, as is often the case with divorce, I'm pretty sure I definitely was like, oh, what's wrong with me? You know, there must be something wrong because daddy doesn't like us anymore. And my mom, like, she was she was very spiritual, but she didn't go to church. She didn't take us to church. And she was kind of a hot mess. And so I think I internalized this sort of story of I'm the fallen, you know, the black sheep, the, you know, the you bad have, girl.
1: Do you and have brothers and sisters?
2: I do. Um, I have an older sister, the one who told me to listen to Liability. And I have a younger sister, Veronica, and she has a different father than me. Mm-hmm. I have two half sisters for my dad's second marriage. And I had an older brother, Donald, who was a truck driver. And he passed away like 15, almost 20 years ago. Wow. I can't remember. So yeah, he died pretty young.
1: But it sounds like it was mostly just the three girls.
2: Yeah, it out. was. Yeah, three yeah. girls and, and, and my brother till I was, oh. I guess, like mm-hmm. 30 or something. Okay. Yeah. So my father was and and is a great guy. But for many years, he was just not in my life except for, like, one visit a year, you know, right. kind of thing. And so I think I I did feel like we were sort of... And he had this new family, you know what I mean, that looked really perfect to me and had this sort of McMansion and they went to church and they had dinner at 6 and they had, you know, um, they just seemed very normal, like, oppressively normal. Almost like, you know how sometimes... I don't know if you've ever went to church or temple or something... And you have that impulse to, like, I just want to, like, scream and say dirty words and, like, totally, <laughs> you know, totally, like, oh, my totally. God, it's so, like, quiet in here and clean and tense. Yeah, there was a part of me that when I would visit, I just wanted to, like, like, rub myself in mud and, like, run all over the house and scream and curse. And I just wanted to have a lot of feelings and it just, everything seemed very contained. Did and your mom
1: ever get remarried?
2: She didn't, but she was with the same man for, I think, 39 years, on and off.
1: So he was in the household when you were young? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. And then he wasn't, and then he was, and then he wasn't, and okay. then he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, but there were two those two extremes, like the very button-down, yep. everything-is-perfect sort of life of my dad, and then my mom was this sort of like, oh, she's still asleep when I get home from school, and mm-hmm. she was asleep when I left for school, and... We might have dinner at 1030 at night and she doesn't have a job. Oh, she does have a job. Oh, she doesn't have a job. Oh, she tried to get, oh, she's in a, you know, mental ward for a couple. of It was like very, you just didn't know. And she was such a beautiful person and so fragile. And I think I grew up with that knowledge that the person at the helm kind of needs some help.
1: And what a weird environment to feel like you had to walk on eggshells all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah and there was that piece, too, like she literally talked like this, uh-huh, and Maggie, oh, you have such beautiful red hair, <laughs> <laughs> look at that beautiful hair, that flaxen reddish, you know, she would just she was a poet at heart and and yet she had this incredible hulk thing going on where she would suddenly have these rages where Nola, I remember once she we lived on the second floor of a duplex, and she took a bureau and threw it off the second floor, holy. Holy. Of her boyfriend at the time, wow! The on again, off again Bob, mm-hmm. who I love. Hi, Bob. I don't know why. I just I just knocked on Formica. <laughs> yeah. What's that ritual? <laughs> I knew. It just happened. It's the yeah. bird song that's, ritual. That's what you do. Yeah. Where's when you, Bob? When you Bob the Did dead? Bob, okay. pass Bob away? passed away a year before my mom? Yeah. So there was this weird. And when that rage happened, there was no. You know, there was no escape. Mm-hmm.
1: That was the color purple. Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones.
2: Wow. Tata Vega. Yeah. yeah.
1: Song number three.
0: Number three.
2: Oh, this is uh, this is funny to me, but also beautiful. This is funny If You have to let it go A little bit But it gets so Neil Diamond dramatic Listen Dear father He's talking What Neil?
3: We dream
2: (laughs) You dream Okay Now it gets crazy Cuckoo bananas Wait What's happening? It's Star Trek (laughs) (laughs) Phasers on
1: Star Trek that is so wild Cotton the ship's gonna blow <laughs> Oh
2: what's happening wait Ba-ba. the Indians are coming
0: <laughs> what is this the, what Native is
2: com- <laughs> the Native Americans are coming I don't know what's happening now it's modern dance okay oh, so you see so what I mean yeah yeah it's it's, I love it.
1: He wrote this. And
0: it he starts this. out
2: so deep. It's I so know. beautiful.
1: Dear Father, Neil Diamond, what?
2: Oh. Yeah, and it's from the soundtrack of a movie called Jonathan Livingston Seagull, mm-hmm. which is based on the book by Richard Bach. Mm-hmm. And that really reminds me of my mom. Really? Yeah. My mom was a Neil Diamond nut. Oh, nice. My yeah. mom
0: gave me the book, Jonathan Livingston uh, Seagull.
2: It's a good book. Yeah. There's just something, again, like when I'm running and some of those songs come on, I just... I can run longer, I can run faster.
1: Well, yeah, when the ship's about to blow and the Indians are coming. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the Native um, Americans are coming. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, I have this fantasy of doing like some crazy cuz when also when I was when I was young before I was ever publicly performing anywhere cuz I was painfully shy as a child to the point of my neighbor thought I might be retarded. She told my oh, mother no. that she thought I was retarded. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe it. Was that true? That, yeah, that... and you know what, neighbor Dean's list. Okay.
0: Yeah. I had to go to special gym. I was pulled out of third grade to go down to special gym. Special what is that? gym. It was with the special education class. Oh, and my gosh. I, I was having coordination problems. Couldn't catch a ball, and they pulled me out of class while the rest of the special ed kids were waiting in line. Oh my that's god! Dramatic. Anyway, yeah, wow. an awful connection.
1: Who did you hang out with as a kid?
2: I had these. We I had very um, sort of segmented friend relationships. I didn't have like a sort of a gaggle of friends. I had Nina Tool, who was the like class. She might have even I don't know. She was like next to valedictorian. She was super brainy mm-hmm. and had a lot more money than than I did. And then there was Jen Reisig, who was this really short, tough Korean girl who was a real badass. Nancy Bianco was um she was the one who like gave me my first drink my first joint like oh, she was, yeah. <laughs> her mom was Costa Rican they yeah. owned a bodega so we could go in there and like eat twizzlers and
1: what's a bodega a I bodega word, is like, like
2: a almost like a deli oh, okay. um sort of convenience store like a general store yeah but in the city and um a bodega i guess they call it in the yes. native language and so like we would I would sleep over and in, in middle of the night like do you want a twinkie? We can have one. Yes! Do you want a ring ding? We can have that. Ring dings! <laughs> do you want an orange crush, a fanta, fanta. a strawberry YooHoo? <laughs> wow. You dream it, it's in our store. We have all the sugar. Yep. And then uh yeah, and Jen Rising, who is this really tough Korean chick. Mm-hmm. And I was like I was in the sort of brainy classes mm-hmm. because I was retarded yeah, according yeah. to my mm-hmm. neighbor. And I remember being afraid of like the popular girls because I would always see them turn on each other. Oh and, yeah. You know. But I remember when those friends would get together mm-hmm. in the same room, I was terrified because I didn't know who I was supposed to be. Like because I was a very different person depending yeah, on who that's I was true. with. I was very much a chameleon. And um, and thank God, like in this day and age. I'm actually. It feels good to say this, but now, even though I have friends who are very different and from very different like strata, you know, whatever economically, intellectually, um, politically, yeah. But I can be pretty consistently me with Cause all different kinds of people. All those things, yeah. yeah. And I and I still have that propensity to like. I love being different people, yeah, um, and getting out of my own head. But it feels good that I don't have to like be such a sycophant anymore. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Yeah. Do you ever have sleepovers at your house? No. Why?
2: Because there was too much shame in my house. Mm. Shame? Yeah. Okay. No, but it, there was, I mean, there was definitely like a, maybe when I was little, we might have had some, a couple of sleepovers, but I just remember being like, something's wrong with mommy. Yeah. Mm. Yep. You know? So I like to go to other people's houses. Yep. And I liked fooling other people. Like, I remember when we were, like, on food stamps and welfare and all that stuff, got the charity boxes from Santa. And I remember one time this kid, uh, Chris Tantillo. Shout out to Chris Tantillo. We were picking our class picture packages or whatever. And he's like, what, are you going to get, like, the A package because you're so rich? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I I had fooled him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, And I was like, oh, if he only knew.
3: Yeah. You know,
2: but that was really important to me that nobody know that we paid with. And like food stamps were embarrassing back then. I don't know if they still look like this, but they look like Monopoly money. They were like brightly colored. Yeah. And if you got the free lunch, you had to like, I think, have a special thing like you had Mm -hmm. to show them and maybe even a special line. I can't remember. Right. Mm. But so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of I just I felt like that big inferiority complex because and this was at a time when very few families that I knew anyway were divorced. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, was shameful, which now is so commonplace. But yeah, I think there was just this notion of, like, what happens? It's like, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like, right. what happens in my house yeah. stays in my house. Yeah. And then marry somebody else on the outside. Yeah. You know, so, yeah.
1: Were you kind of the leader in your house? Because when you talk about your mom being asleep when you left for school and still asleep when you got home from school, like, were you the one that got up and you're like come on everybody it's time to go
2: you know what i wasn't because my older sister was that okay and she was very maternal from a young age yeah. and still to this day like she has six kids yeah. three of them are adopted you know she wow. and she had you know she has all these like farm animals and you know mm-hmm. um she's just a very protective maternal organized person she was the one who was getting lunch from my little sister and telling her to put a sweater on and got it um yep. yeah yeah what's her name Anne. i think she's going by ann birdsong now And she has a great little business called Birdsong Bits and Pieces.
1: Oh, like arts and crafts? Yeah. She makes amazing
2: like refurbished furniture. Oh, wow. You know, and like all kinds of stuff, decor and all that. I love that. Shout out to Anne. Yeah, mm-hmm. she started out like just like yeah, it's just something I'm trying, I'm just doing a little painting, whatever. And now she has like a welder's helmet and like <laughs> <laughs> magnifying glasses that she specially wears in this oh, cool, cool, cool like apron she wears she's just hardcore yeah, I love that's it. Awesome. I love it. That's, that's life. really cool.
0: That's the that's the deal. Yep. That's the deal.
1: Ready for song so, number four? Yeah.
3: It's time to watch and a single hour's gleaming When they reach the final scene. Well, at least my man Is looking at you, kid You know it's a mad mission The biblical conditions That everybody makes it, To the loving cup It's a mad mission I got the ambition mad, mad mission Sign me
2: Um, it's Patty Griffin and it's called Mad Mission. I am just a huge Patty Griffin fan. I yeah. love her voice. Mm-hmm.
1: Is it terrible? I don't I've never heard of this woman.
2: It's funny cuz she if there are people who are just, you know, worship her. Yeah. And then there are people who've never ever heard of her. Yeah. And she kind of walks that that line and I feel like she was on the brink of sort of breaking into sort of mass pop music stardom with, I think it was her second album. I think it was called Flame or Flaming Red or something like that. And it was a very, her first album, I think was just called, Patty Griffin or called Living With Ghosts. I can't remember, but it was, God, beautiful. Do you remember like
1: when she came, like when did she kind of break out?
2: The the Flaming Red album, she had this sort of hit song called One Big Love. And uh, I think that would have been... The late 90s or early aughts. It, you could tell it was like the studio or whatever, the label saying like, okay, Patty, what you did on that first album was great. You and it was just her and guitar. Yeah and you could tell the like label went in there and messed around it was like can we make it like make it bigger make it like more poppy make and it was yeah. just like oh you could tell she was just kind of being pushed in this direction not happy with and it and then i think after that she pulled back and i'm kind of glad she did but you you'll see her like i remember you had a Sean Colvin song on your uh, the episode i listened to recently and um so she tends to do a lot of concerts where it's like Sean Colvin Patty Griffin Mary Chapin Carpenter oh, that kind yeah. of thing um but i love this song so much and it's interesting in this live version she almost sounds drunk and it is it it has this kind of you know we were drinking like the irish we were drinking scotch but then it turned on the movie everybody turned to watch it has this feeling of like all these people in a bar casablanca's on the tv Uh and they're just crying like Mm -hmm. it just has this great feeling of like this island of lost souls
1: being connected in your hurt
2: yeah. And yeah. and the notion of it's, a, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's a mad mission. It is a form of insanity for me at this point at 49 years of age, having my heart broken as many times as it's been broken to say, yeah, you know what? Let's try again. That's insane. Mm-hmm. But I know there's still as much as I say like, nope, he's ruined me. Never again. Never again will I trust a man. Never again. Or a woman. I'm not going to become a lesbian either. Yeah. Because I don't think men have, you know, a monopoly on abandoning. But it's a mad mission. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think there's still in me a glimmer of of hope. Like, I'm, I'm probably deluded if I say I'm never going to be seducted into trying again. But I love that message in the song of, like, it's a mad mission. Sign me up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love it. The last song. Number five. It's gonna be alright
3: It's Kate Bush When time
2: Peter Gabriel and it features Kate Bush Nice I always like to think of them being married I don't think they are though
1: Well in my bedroom they can be Yeah there you go Thank you
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that
0: Peter and Kate? We now pronounce you
2: Yeah (laughs) But uh, I love the song I mean that that actually has a lot of the same feel of the song from The Color Purple Mm -hmm. It's very like you know traditional sort of gospel yeah but uh yeah don't give up you oh. can fall back on us don't give up please don't give up mm.
1: I was gonna ask you earlier in the intro you had talked about things happening for you when you you're like oh just got to keep the faith how how did you keep the faith in career and in, and in love
2: I mean at a certain point I remember things really shifted and turned around for me in my career um when I, this was post live on tape, when kind of, it was almost like, okay, the boom is over. Yeah. I peaked. I spent all my money on cute pants. And uh, <laughs> as one does.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, I remember thinking I got to such a low point, And also I'm, I'm in recovery. I'm 18 years sober. And this was, I was, I was newly sober, but, I, and I was just very, um, I was having a rough go of it. And I was like, I can't catch a break. I, and I'm a workaholic. Like, I have always been hustling, really hustling. And I just saw so many people, what seemed like things just sort of falling into their lap. And I was just getting really bitter and really sad. And, and I remember I reached a point where I was like, God, I don't even care if I'm an actor anymore. I just want to be at peace. I just want to be happy. Like, I'll be a garbage person. I don't care. Yeah. I just want to feel good about myself. Wow. You know, I don't want to be 70% fear, 30% happy, right? I want to be flip-flop that. And so I remember kind of thinking, like, is there anything else I could do other than this business that would make me feel satisfied? So I remember it was like, well, I like costumes. Like, maybe I could have, like, a vintage thrift shop. And I remember, like, I was like, I'm going to get, and this was so, like, early sobriety, sort of what they tell you to do. It's just sort of humbling, and, and I went to the library, and I got books out on, like, costume history. And I did some research on, like, how would one open up a store? And I remember doing research, and, like, this place is for— And I didn't have money to buy a business, but I was just, like, researching it. And, and I remember thinking, like, well, maybe I could do that. I would like that. That makes me happy. I like fancy old costumes and things. And, uh, and I'm a real history nerd. And it was when I kind of took that pressure off of myself, like, okay, Mary— The dream is over. You didn't become a big fat star. Mm -hmm. So let's say, what's the worst? Okay, you're going to go back to your hometown. You're going to go to like the island pharmacy. And they're going to be like, so why aren't you blah, blah, blah? And you'll tell them, you know, that that didn't work out or whatever. And do you still have a right to be here? Mm -hmm. Like, is that the only reason you're supposed to be a person? So you get in like some movie or some TV series? Like, do you have no other value besides that? Wow. You know, and I was like, if you're not going to kill yourself because that didn't happen, then you may as well be happy. What is this like? I'm going to live and be miserable. Like, what? What's the point of that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember kind of getting to that point where I was like, okay, there's still a lot of me here that isn't just Mary, the like tap dancing clown. You know, yeah. The like, you know, you're, you know, if going back to that song, liability. You're a little much for me. You know what I mean? There's a part of Mary that's not the like, too muchness. And sort of going back to that and saying like, okay, you didn't do that. And you still have a right to be here and breathe air and people will still love you and still have value. Then suddenly, and I started saying yes to things that I wouldn't normally say yes to. And I remember kind of saying yes to the two Andes, you know, even though I was like, I just didn't want to leave the house, much mm-hmm. less do comedy. You know, I wound up dating one of the guys for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, it was this big relationship. I wound up getting an amazing agent in Ruth Ann out of it. I I got a development deal with CBS out of it just from going like, uh, all right, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Where are you guys performing? When you just let go. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I'm going to do this and this will get me X, Y, or Z. Yeah. It was like, okay, Whatever. This is coming at me. So, yes. Yeah. And um, right. yeah. and also, I was a huge fan of Andy Daly's. I mean, I think he's one of the most brilliant comic actors in our generation.
1: Andy Poehler talked about that in her book, too. How, like, she would hustle and hustle and work and work and work. And then she just decided, like, I need to be happy and do the things that are important to me. And spend some time with her family. Yeah. Which she decided was important. And then all of a sudden, SNL came. And all the things that she would just... Explode, you yeah. Know? So it's so interesting that you parallel that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just kind of learning to take better care of myself. Yeah. And... Um... And have a full life that's outside of the business and develop yeah. interests. I remember I like got a subscription to Biblical Archaeology Review. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? And is that I, a
1: thing that you still enjoy? I,
2: I am a closet like archaeology, sort of ancient history nerd. Yeah, and particularly biblical history, which I'm not again religious, but something about when they corroborate things in the Bible, mm-hmm. I find that fascinating. Yeah, keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. Full yeah. life. Yay.
1: Well, now that we've gone through your Fave Five, we're going to take kind of a brain break and let Dave take over with a little game we call Band or Bar. So, our guest last week brought us to, I can't remember,
0: Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <coughs> I spent the entire week uh, this morning um, <laughs> researching bands and bars in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I'm going to give you and Maggie the name of a band. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the name of a bar, and your job is to decipher which is the band right. and which is the bar. Okay, I
1: have no idea what he picked. So,
0: uh, yep, this we'll is play all together. right here. Okay, so if you're in Milwaukee hanging out, you have two options: Barnacle or Brewtown Beat. Do you want to, want to go to Brewtown Beat and hear music and eat food, or do you want to go to Brewtown to Barnacle and hear Brewtown Beat play music? I
1: don't want to eat at Barnacle. If that's the name of a restaurant, they picked poorly.
0: Mm.
2: I'm going to say Brewtown Beat is the band. And you think Barnacle is the place, the place? Yeah, because I'm, I'm guessing it's a, like a, some sort of seafood joint.
1: Ugh, I hate that you're probably right, but I'm going to go the other way.
0: Okay. You're going to go the other way? <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, then uh, Mary would be correct. <gasps> Nicely yeah, done. Barnacle is a place that does serve seafood. It's delicious. It is one of Milwaukee's favorite all-time seafood. But you're right; restaurants. it's
2: kind of a, a not
0: not they really poorly. Uh, yeah. it's, it's almost like Barnacle. the Rusty Nail in Cortland, New York. There was a, a place we used to eat called the Rusty. <laughs> oh, that's a drink. Nail. That's a
2: cocktail name as well. Is it really? Oh, yeah. that explains. Yeah, the whole give me thing. a Rusty Nail, would you? A grasshopper. Um, on the
0: other, <laughs> on the other hand, if you go to the Brewtown Beat, is Milwaukee's must-see party band, fueled by a wicked horn lineup and powerfully rhythm a powerful rhythm section. The band performs a collision of vintage Jamaican reggae, two-tone ska, Ugh. and popular modern rock cover songs Ugh. in their own upbeat style with multiple Ugh. vocals, diverse song lists, and a fun live presentation. Oh. Brewtown Pub, one of Milwaukee's Best local bands.
1: All of the horns. The
0: Barnacle and Brewtown beat. So
1: let's just say we're not going to Milwaukee, according to Mary's face right now. No,
2: <laughs> no, no that's a that's a
0: flyover. We'll, we'll fly about, over.
2: Something about I mean, I'm such a music lover, but reggae and ska, I don't know.
0: It had its moment. And
2: your reggae job and
1: now, Mary, is to take us on a journey next week, anywhere in the world. Pick a city, a location.
2: That Dave can research for next week. Oh, uh, I'm going to suggest you go to Long Beach Island, New Jersey, Dave.
0: That's <laughs> where I'm going to go to research band names and bar names. It's my old stomping grounds.
1: Cool. So now that we've gone through your fave five, we've kind of grown up with Mary a little bit. Uh, bring us current to 2017 when you get in the car. What is your guilty musical pleasure? Or any guilty pleasure, really. But
2: Guilty musical pleasure? Well, my guilty pleasure is Ancient Aliens. Oh, it's a TV, TV show on the oh. History Channel. OK. Paul Kozlowski at the Fake Gallery and I bonded over this. Oh, really? Some of it is in their like third season or whatever. It got ridiculous. Uh-huh. But the, the impetus of it, which was sort of inspired by Chariots of the Gods, this this book by Eric Von Daniken, uh-huh. the theory being that, look, we're traveling to other planets yeah. as astronauts. Yeah. And who's to say that hundreds, thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, there weren't astronauts coming to this planet. Yeah. I'm down. And then it explains some of these crazy ruins that have 20-ton blocks that, you know. So that's where I get, like, super cuckoo bananas. Like, but I love it. It gives me goosebumps. I just think it's the coolest thing ever.
3: Yeah.
0: Ancient aliens. Ancient aliens. I feel so validated on so many levels. Right. I mean, having gotten to know you.
2: This is is what being a grown-up is, being able to say... I watch Ancient Aliens and it's okay.
0: <laughs> Followed by cops, reloaded. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Lord. I'm
1: thinking very hard and long about, we would love to know the story of your very first concert.
0: Ever.
2: It was either Air Supply. Nice. <laughs> or Manhattan Transfer. Great air Supply, choices. was that it?
1: Great Adventure, Six Flags.
2: No, it was at the Garden State Arts Center, which is sadly okay. now the PNC Bank Center. Yep. Wah, wah. PNC? I grew up in New Jersey
1: and my dad was obsessed with the air supply, and he was like, they're going to be at Six Flags. I want to go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but here, this goes back to the relationship thing. Part of the one of the many, many weird things we discovered we had in common was that I knew this song as recorded by Manhattan Transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the weird alto part. 5,000 like years from Birdland, and I'm still singing there with them. Long enough to 10 years from Birdland, and the ding-dong-dong-dong-dong-dong. Ding, 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 ding. Bird heard it. It's just like <laughs> crazy, weird. Um, he bird came bird. and spread the word, Birdland.
3: <laughs> wow. Wow. Was he was
2: great. like, I just heard the most annoying song in the world and I can't place it. I can't remember what it was. And he somehow remembered some like two notes of it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> note for note. And he was like, ah. that's
0: great. So which well...
2: I think it was Manhattan Transfer because I was in the um Southern Regional Vocal Jazz Ensemble.
0: Oh, oh, it was a field trip.
2: So it was kind of a yeah, it was kind of a school sponsored.
0: <laughs> oh. Con-
2: not it wasn't officially school sponsored but our choral like leader Larry Delmasto, who we affectionately called Dell.
0: <laughs> he was
2: the cool teacher. Nice. Del. He was such a hippie. I still, I'm still in touch with Dell. I love Dell. That's great. And he was really a, a very big influence on me. Like he's one of the teachers that took me aside and said like, you really should think about maybe doing this, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. Um, and, uh, and so he took the vocal jazz ensemble there, I think like a school sanctioned yeah. thing, but not necessarily like a field trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we went to see them. We went to see Whitney Houston. We went to, I don't know if he took us to see Air Supply or not, but That's I was so, so cool. square. I was so square when I was in high school.
1: But you had a friend that smoked weed. Yeah. And let you have ringdings.
2: <laughs> yeah. But that was that was me, like, really living on the wild side. Those were, like, isolated little incidents. Okay. I didn't really learn to party until it was, like, almost senior. Like, until senior year was, like, almost over, I discovered drinking. And I was like, oh! Mm. Oh! Mm-hmm. This is the key! Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, so it's sort of an embarrassing concert. <laughs> no. Maybe?
1: Yeah, Manhattan transfer,
3: dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: just don't even know what you're talking That's the thing. I don't even know what that Man, means. Man, when they went to the augmented fifth on the bridge. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Mary, this has been such a pleasure. Before we let you go, what's your corner of the internet? How do fans find you if they want to follow your work? What's going on? Oh, up?
2: on Twitter, it's at Mary Birdsong. On YouTube, it's YouTube.com slash Mary Birdsong.
1: These are really complicated.
2: Yeah. And Instagram is Mary Birdsong Official.
1: Thank you so much for being on the show. Gosh, I really appreciate your Saturday morning time. Thank you. Bye.